welcome to Human Leadership, a podcast full of science-backed and practical knowledge and insight, designed to help anyone who leads people unleash the human talent we need for the next era of work. I'm Suzanne Jacobs, an organisational behaviour and performance expert, who's worked as part of senior leadership teams for over 30 years and conducted more than a decade of research into the neurobiological drivers of intrinsic motivation and trust. In each episode of Human Leadership, I'll take you through what you'll need to make your workplace human fit. And to help me along the way, I have roped in my sister, Chloe, a brilliant educationalist who also knows just a thing or two about leadership. And together, we'll guide you through everything you need to know to become a better human leader. In this episode, we are going to talk about certainty, or more accurately, the pitfalls of uncertainty, and why we hate change, what happens to us when we face ambiguity, and how to navigate and lead your way through it. Chloe. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you very much. Um, feeling pretty uh, accomplished. I've just completed a paper uh, that's been so tricky to, to write. And I, I, particularly, I think, in, in while we're recording this in such strange and, and uncertain times, really. How about you? How are you? Yes, I'm, I'm good. Though I had a slightly uh, frustrating morning. I was after a particular a cheese to do a do a, uh, a recipe but I've, I've had not any success unfortunately but uh, all is well. Mm-hmm. Now this episode is funnily enough all about certainty. Maybe we should start by explaining what you mean. Why do we crave certainty and hate change? Well it's um yeah I mean look you're going to have to change your entire entire menu for your, for your dinner based on lack of yes. said cheese. <laughs> Um, but actually, true. you know, in all seriousness, actually, we really, we really do. We put a great deal of effort into finding a level of certainty and reliability, predictability in our, our, our worlds. And it's based really around the fact that our brain, in terms of its sort of the way in which it works, it's a, it's, it's a pattern matching system. It takes in the sensory data um, from all our senses and it matches it against filed experiences so that it can understand it can make sense of events and and the whole of the world around us so once it can make sense it can then predict what's going to come next and actually our, our frontal lobes have evolved to be able to anticipate the impact and the consequences to to our behaviors um, based on this um, interpretation and so what, what that then does it allows us to direct our actions, which primarily are to, to keep us safe and to keep us out of out of danger. But the thing is in change or uncertainty that there aren't there aren't any files. I mean by default it's it's new. We only fear the unknown has got neurological credency to it. It's a little bit like um a torn map uh, without the information and actually, because the brain works on a better to be safe than sorry directive, without the information on that torn map, it it starts up 
um, the alert process. And it signals to us to be wary. And those signals come to us in our thoughts and our emotions and our physiological experiences. And it can leave us feeling uncomfortable with a little bit of mild anxiety. Or, of course, it can lead to something far stronger and more potent in terms of the intensity, the emotion we face in uncertainty and and change. So it's really, it's, um, it's the lack of information that is the the threat in uncertainty and in change that causes the problems. Oh, so true. There are there are so many of us that don't really like change. But what happens to us when we do have to face it? Well, I think we need to caveat that we all, all of us, we're unique. We all have different tolerances of ambiguity and uncertainty. Um, it you know, it's all down to our level of experience, the situation itself, um, our level of resilience, how tired we are. You know, all of those things do play um, a part, but it's really important to understand that it's natural. It's natural for us to resist and to defend against change and the unknown. We want to try and hold the status quo, which is quite um, interesting, particularly if you're going to be changing to something new and exciting. Rationally, you know it's new and exciting, but your brain, without sort of understanding what it really means, will still try to resist it and cause some sense of anxiety that will go along with it. But the, the, the thing is, when we are experiencing that and we're coming back into an organisational situation, Ultimately, what happens is that performance goes down and the stress goes up because stresses are only distressing when they are perceived and interpreted by the brain as uncontrollable or unsolvable. Um, and, and change is that really because you haven't got any of the answers at this point. Um, you know, a bit of stretch, uh, a bit of good stress actually does us a lot of good and it can aid a solution and progress. But this defense response in change, this normal and natural change response in change, can give rise to a myriad of behavioral responses. You know, everything from, um, you know, the gossiping, and gossiping is a defense reaction. It is all seeking to bring on allies and to fill the information void. And, And so often the information that we fill in, we make up, is wrong. But if your brain thinks it's created some sort of certainty, it rewards us for it. Um, You know, often the pens go down, proverbial pens go down, and performance and engagement is depleted. When we're facing any type of threat, our cognitive capacity is shrinks, and our attention is placed firmly on the, the, the challenge or the change, the uncertainty, because we're just constantly trying to work out what it all means to us. What does it mean to our position? What does it mean to our status, um, our security, all of these things? Um, and actually, most of change, most organizational change, uh, mergers and acquisitions still fail because they just don't take into account the normal human responses to change and uncertainty. And actually, I can think of a really um, classic one around here is 
when I one of the biggest emotional fallouts that I ever had around any change, and I've led some huge restructuring international change programs. One of the ones that would tend to have the biggest emotional fallout was when I was changing the office layout out. People had to change their desks. And I also remember working on a change program for a, for a client where they were moving offices and they were moving from some really old offices to, to new, really smart offices. There was a restaurant and um, there was car parking. There wasn't car parking last time. And uh, they had, um, you know, a gym on site, but they had huge problems because the defense barriers went up with everybody in the offices because they didn't, their brains didn't know and couldn't pattern match what it was going to look like, where they were going to sit, what was their journey going to be look, looking like in the morning, where would they park their cars, even though there's a car park on site. So many things. And we solved it by actually site visits. And we took people around. And I know it may sound really simple, but actually what we were doing was we took people around. We showed the area that their desk would be. They showed them the car park. People were allowed, you know, took their time to find their way and their route. So the brain then had some certainty. It had some answers and some information. And that quelled that that threat response. Oh, absolutely. You know, I've... I can see both sides, as you, as you said. I've I've experienced some wonderful change. You know, the excitement of changing jobs, for example, and but walking through the door for the first time with the with the box of books and my heart's in my throat to meet my new students. It's um, exciting and scary. And um, and like you, I've I've also been on the receiving end of um, some very badly led change. Um, so. What what are the best ways to navigate through change, especially when the world around us is so uncertain too? Well, I think the first thing we really need to do is recognise and preempt, you know, normal human response to uncertainty and change so that we can then successfully lead through it and maintain motivation and energy and well-being rather than forcing people through. And anybody who's experienced the, the tail end or the, the the or being a recipient of badly led change will will just like you were saying know the intensity of the emotion that you experience I mean it's 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 awful really awful and those scars can run very deep and they can last for a very long time the thing is we try to force a lot of rationality on change but everything around the human being is emotion first so we need to be able to talk to the emotional brain first and then we overlay it with the rational changes that we can we can then make but there's I mean there's an absolute wealth of things that we can do really practical some of them incredibly simple and we talk in a lot of detail around what those proven tools and techniques are in the uh, in the ebook but in terms of just giving some, some top line level of, of some of the things that we can do is, is about consistency in, in leadership. So talking to, to the leaders listening to this, your behavior is so critical to the experience people will have through the change. And one of the things that is really important to remember is that 
you will also be experiencing the uncertainty. You will also be experiencing the change. And it's really important to acknowledge that and to put your oxygen mask on first. What is really critical, as I say, is this consistency in approach, making sure that when you say you'll communicate, you'll communicate. It's not about blowing hot and cold so people just don't know where they are with you. The other thing is around clarity. Now, this might sound really straightforward and simple, but it's one of the hardest things to get right. When the brains are in threat state, our ability to be able to take on information, to absorb it and to truly understand it is significantly diminished. So don't be surprised if you have to repeat information. Make messages short, sharp, pulse them, just give one or two at a time where you can. Show the direction really, really clearly and make sure you check back for understanding. Now, the next one for me is a little bit of a juxtaposition. It's about creating certainty in uncertainty. You know, you put those two things together and you think, well, how am I supposed to do that? But actually, so many organizations tend to start on change programs and and then go, well, we'll just change everything. We're doing this, we might as well make it absolutely enormous and we'll change all the systems and the policies. And by the way, we'll also paint the offices a different color. It's really important actually to, to in change is to really focus on the high value, the really important parts and to acknowledge what is staying the same. You know, take, release the brain from, from looking around at everything that seems to be changing. And something that's really important in here actually is no news is still data. And if there's nothing to be said in, in a week, say it, make it clear, nothing has changed. Let the brains again, release the tension and go, okay, everything's still the same from, from what you said last time. And we obviously, we speak a lot about the drivers of intrinsic motivation and trust. And it's here that you really need to use them. In the drivers, you are always going to knock reliability. You can't help it. You're always going to trigger a sense of threat from that because change and uncertainty by default is going to do, is going to knock that. But what you can do because of the correlative effect through all the drivers is that you can start to bolster the others to offset the level of threat posed by reliability. You know, can things like um, voice, choice, um, uh, underpinning the direction, uh, giving a sense of opportunity and stretch, really supporting a sense of inclusion. All of these will actually, as I say, offset and, and dampen the, the emotional um, response that we have when we're facing uncertainty. But one of the things to really remember here also is before any order, there is disorder, there is disruption. In fact, dis in terms of um, it as a prefix means to to pull apart, to uh, asunder. So it's about about a lot of it's about acceptance. It's it's rather than pushing against something, it's actually going with it, accepting where we are, and to look for the learning and the opportunity. And and I always am pulled back to the the Chinese word for crisis that also bears the meaning for opportunity. 
Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Human Leadership in your podcast app. And if you have time, leave us a review or give us a rating. If you'd like to find out more about the subjects we discussed in this episode and access all the proven tools, you can do so in the Little Book of Certainty, part of the Human Leadership series of ebooks available through my website, the7.org.uk. And if you'd like to get in touch with me about any of the subjects, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email using Suzanne at the7.org.uk and that's Suzanne with an S and not a Z.